That was worth driving from Nashville this morning. Turn with me to John chapter 19. I'm so glad to be here. Last time I was here, you were in that little mobile unit over there. Uh, you've had quite a quantum leap since then. You're blessed. I uh, pray for Brother Sammy on a regular basis. I know that the, the burden of, um, of, of building back and coordinating and all the different people that came in here, I know you were blessed in many ways. But uh, I'm telling you, it's a God thing that, that, you're, that you're here, right? Uh, when I drove up this morning, I, I actually, the first time I met you, you, don't, you probably don't remember, but it was right after the tornado. Sammy Gilbert and I came and a bunch of people from uh, the Alabama Baptist Convention. I came down and helped put the tent up and brought Bibles and different things. That's the first time I met you. That's when I invited you to the, to the conference in Nashville. And then I came back a few, what, about four years ago. I was here. Is that, that about right? It's been, has it been that long? It's probably been about that long ago. So anyway, I appreciate the, the theme of the cross. Everywhere I look is the cross. I was evangelism director in Kentucky. I went there in 99. I left Zion Baptist Church in Henderson, Kentucky. I was there almost 17 years, 16 years and seven months, uh, just across the river from Evansville, Indiana. I left there to be the evangelism director in Kentucky. I traveled all over the state for seven years, taught evangelism. And I was uh, going to an associational meeting in far west Kentucky. And uh, Kentucky has two time zones. You all only on central time, right? God's, people would say God's time. Uh, but I was leaving Louisville to get to west Kentucky. And uh, I was running a little behind. And so I got to this little town right outside of Murray, Kentucky, and I was uh, supposed to speak at this association meeting at 7 o'clock, and it was about 10 till 7. And I, I, I didn't have GPS in those days. When I got in my car this morning, I punched in the address of Mountain View Baptist Church, and it brought me right here, some, probably some back way, but I got here anyway. And so I was running late, and I couldn't find the church. And so I stopped. I did what I seldom ever do. I stopped and asked for directions. It's a man thing. Say amen, ladies, right? Amen. A man thing. I, was, I had to humble myself, and I walked inside, and I said, Brother, I'm, can you help me? He said, what, what do you need? And I said, Well, I'm here to preach at so-and-so Baptist Church. Do you know where that church is? God is my witness. He took me by the arm, walked me outside, and he said, uh, Brother, you see that steeple right there? I said, yes, sir, I see that steeple. He said, you see the cross on top of that steeple? I said, yes, sir. He said, if you'll follow the cross, you'll find the church. That was my message for the night. That's really been my message of all my ministry. If you'll follow the cross, you'll find the church. I'm so glad you've got a cross on the top of your steeple. There's some churches that don't. Uh, why? Because they don't understand the power of the cross. So this week, what we're going to do, returning to the Word, we're going to follow the cross. What about that? We're going to do that this morning and tonight. T this morning, we're going to look at some of the words from the cross. So as Jesus hung on the cross, there were some sayings. There's seven sayings. We're only going to look at three of those this morning. But we're going to look at some of the words from the cross. You know that the cross is the, is the cornerstone of our faith. It is the chosen symbol of the Christian faith. And it's an empty cross. Uh, other folks that have Jesus on the cross have it wrong. They think they've got to do something to earn their salvation. The truth is the cross is empty because the tomb is empty. 
because Jesus was put on a cross, but he was taken down off a cross, and he was putting, put in, an, in, in a tomb, and it was a borrowed tomb because he wasn't going to need it very long. And it's an empty tomb, and we celebrate an empty cross and an empty tomb. It's the symbol of our faith. You see it in cemeteries. I passed a big cemetery on the way down here this morning, and there were crosses in, the, in, in that cemetery. Some of us wear crosses around our necks. Some of us, these chairs, uh, Brother Sammy pointed out, have little crosses on them. Everything has to do with the cross. But, but, but it's more than two uh, uh, pieces of wood that are joined together. To the Christian, it is, it is Jesus stretched out between heaven and earth. If you think about the cross, it's Jesus reaching out to God with one hand and humanity with another in order to bring us to God. So in order to understand what it means to be a Christian, you've got to come to the cross. In order to find the church, you've got to come to the cross. In order to have revival, you've got to come to the cross. And so some of you have come to the cross, but we want to invite you to come back again today. Maybe you've never come to the cross, and we want to invite you to come there today. The cross is where God's mercy meets our need. It's where God's grace meets our need to be forgiven. It's a wonderful story of what Jesus did for us on the cross. From the cross, we're, we're told in John 19, verse 30, it says, when he, when he, Jesus, had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, no doubt the people that were listening and could hear when Jesus cried, it is finished, they would have agreed. There were the scribes and Pharisees who had orchestrated what they thought was his demise. And so they wanted to get rid of this troublemaker, this person that was, was upsetting their religious apple cart, as it were, but come, coming and teaching this new thing about God is a personal God. God is a merciful God. God is a God that wants to forgive us of our sins, that God wants us to know him. And they didn't agree with Jesus. And so they plotted to get rid of Jesus. And so as Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished, they went finished indeed it could very well have been the romans that had taken from the persians the the, the whole uh, uh crucifixion motif and perfected it they knew how to do it it could be that the the roman soldiers that were had nailed him to a cross and and and, and watched him slowly die when he cried it is finished they said yes we've seen many people like you finished on the cross. It could have been that his disciples, though, that had deserted him and the few women and John, the, the, the beloved that was at the foot of the cross, then when maybe they heard him cry either from a distance or as they knelt at the foot of the cross, they thought that their lives were over as well. They'd been following him, some of them for three years, and they thought that life as they knew it was finished. But the interesting thing about it, Jesus didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. In fact, it's one Greek word. It's a word, telestai. And, and it, it's a fascinating word. When Jesus basically pushed himself up on that cross and, and, and took his last breath and, 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 and said, 
It is finished. He was, he was, he was saying a, a, a Greek word, telestai. It's a fascinating word. It means to be finished or accomplished, to be completed, to be fulfilled, to be perfected. It's a shout of victory over sin, death, and hell. Jesus' cry was proclaiming his victory over the evil one. In the gigantic struggle between good and evil, the Son of Man had suffered grievously, but he had finished the work of redemption that the Father had committed him to do. He was saying to God the Father and all of humanity that had ever lived and that would ever live, the work you sent me to do, it has been accomplished. It's an interesting word. It's a word that a servant would use. A master would say to the servant, go do this task. And when he got done, he would come back and say to the servant, telestai. The servant would say to the master, telestai. It has been completed. And the master would agree to telestai. Jesus Christ was sent to earth in order to overcome sin, to pay the penalty for our sins, to give us this wonderful gift of salvation. And when he suffered on the cross and bore the sin of the world, he said to God the Father, to Telestai, it is finished. It's a word used by priest. The Jewish people had to bring their sacrifices to the priests in order to be examined before they could be offered at the altar because it was against the Jewish law to offer an imperfect sacrifice. After the priest had examined the sacrifice, if it was without blemish, the priest would say, Telestai, it is perfect. Jesus Christ is God's perfect sacrificial lamb. He's perfectly human and yet perfectly divine. He's as human as any of us. Aren't you glad when God decided to fully reveal himself, he came in the form of a person? He didn't come as a computer? <laughs> Hello. I mean, that, that or, or an iPhone, or I don't know what he, but he came, he came, he stepped out of eternity into time and became like us, and he became human. And yet, the Bible said he was tempted and always like us, and yet without sin. Isn't that good news? He is the perfect sacrifice, the sinless one, fully human and yet fully divine. Tempted and always like us, and yet without sin. He bore our sin upon himself, and when he cried from the cross, it is finished. He was telling the Father, I've given you the perfect sacrifice. It's a word that was used by merchants, and when someone owed them money, and they came and paid their debt in full. The merchant would say to the person that owned, owed the debt, telestai, paid in full. Jesus Christ has paid your debt. There's nothing that you can't do to earn it. Someone said, I, I, I can't live the gospel, and that's an absolute, that, that, that in your own strength you cannot live the gospel, but through the power and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has, he has paid in full your debt, and because of his presence and power, he wants to live his good news through you. When an artist finished a portrait of a, of a person or the painting of a landscape, uh, he, he or she would step back from that portrait and look at that portrait and say, Telestai, it is complete. 
Jesus came to paint for us a perfect portrait of who God is. If you want to know God, you've got to know Jesus. If you want to know who God is, He has fully revealed Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. As Jesus hung on that cross, He said, He said, It is finished. What was finished? The forgiveness of sin. Now let's turn back to Luke chapter 23, and I, I want to camp out there for the rest of the time this morning, and we'll talk more about the cross tonight. And, and, and it says in verse 32 of Luke chapter 23, two other criminals, now that's, that's significant, two other criminals were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. So as Jesus was led up this uh, hill called Golgotha, the place called the Skull, the place where they had habitually uh, crucified known criminals, there was Jesus, and there were two other convicted criminals. And as he was crucified, Jesus was in the middle, and there was one on the right, and there was one on the left. We'll get to them in a moment. But as he was being nailed to the cross, Jesus said to the Father, just like he said to Telestad, it is finished. He said to the Father, Father, forgive them. Well, they know not what they do. Who was he talking to? He could have been those soldiers that were driving those nails in his wrist. And once he got up on that cross, they would put him in a crouching position and nail and put this big nail through his feet. It could have been as they were nailing him to the cross, Jesus was praying, Father, forgive them. Well, they don't understand what they do. But I think the circle was bigger than that. I think it was these Pharisees that were all robed in their regalia. They were coming to gloat over the fact that they'd gotten rid of this religious troublemaker. And Jesus could have been looking at them saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't understand that I am the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sin of the world, that I am God in the flesh. They don't understand that. Father, forgive them I think the circle is even bigger he could have been looking at his disciples who had deserted him one had betrayed him another had denied him he could have been looking at them and saying father forgive them they've deserted me they don't know what they've done but I believe the circle is bigger than that he looked down the tunnel of time and he saw you he saw Alabama he saw Kentucky, where I'm from. He saw the United States. He saw the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. As Jesus prayed for forgiveness, he didn't just pray for that little crowd that was there. He just didn't pray for those people in A.D. Uh, 33. He prayed for those people in 2017 he prayed for every person that had ever been born that would ever be born father forgive them for they don't understand 
what they're doing. Sometimes we sin and we don't know what we're doing, don't we? We don't know any better. In fact, people that are living apart from God, they're living, they don't know any better. Last night, yesterday afternoon, my wife and I went to, a, to, to the movies. We hadn't been to the movies, and we don't know when we'd been to the movies. In fact, it had been so long since we'd been to the movies that this movie theater in Hendersonville, Tennessee, where we live, when we went to get a movie ticket, uh, when we got up to pay, the little girl said, you have to pick your own seat. We went, what? They said, well, we have, we have assigned seating now. So we had to pick our seat. And when we walked into the theater, they have these, they have these uh, 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 recliners at the, at, the, at the Regal Theater there in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And you pick what seat you're going to sit in. So we sat on the back row, and we were in a PG-13 movie. And this woman walked in. We assumed it was her grandchildren. She had a, probably a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old a boy and a girl with her sitting beside us in a PG-13 movie. My wife said to me, those kids shouldn't be in this movie, I don't think. So about halfway through the movie, the grandmother leaned over to my wife and said, I've got to take this five-year-old to the potty. Would you watch the two-year-old? And my wife went, what? <laughs> she got up, left the theater, took her five-year-old to the bathroom and left us in charge of a two or two and a half year old little girl. Would you do that? Huh? If you would, you need to repent of your sins this morning. <laughs> I, told my, I told my wife, she evidently doesn't know any better. Left, we're total strangers. My wife said, well, I guess we look trustworthy. I, I don't know. But you can't overcome stupid. I mean, I mean, I have a, four-and-a-half-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughters. I wouldn't leave them with anybody here. You know what I'm saying? They'd go, Papa, what are you doing? Some sin, evidently people just don't know what they're doing. When they crucified Jesus, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But let me tell you, they did it anyway. And why did they do it? Well, it wasn't just them that crucified Jesus. It's interesting here. It says they crucified him, but actually you could, you could, you could take, that, take that they out and put your name right there. Uh, Sammy Taylor crucified Jesus. Dan Garland crucified Jesus. We could just put all of our names. In fact, we could change the they to we. In, in, in good Alabama terms, it'd be y'all, right? Uh, that's a good Kentucky word. Do y'all understand that down here in Alabama? Y'all crucified Jesus. You. You crucified Jesus. I got to tell you, I've got grandchildren. And, and if I thought, if I had known they'd been that much fun, I'd have had them first. <laughs> we got any grandparents here? I mean, anybody? Yeah. Isn't that right? I mean, just the smartest, brightest children. It's a miracle of God that that dumb old boy that married your beautiful, perfect daughter could father the smartest, brightest child that ever walked on the face of God's green earth. It's a miracle of God. Some of you got pictures, right? I mean, it's just, it, but, but, but my, my, my grandchildren, not near perfect. But what I found out is they've already learned to sin. They already, they're lying already. Comes from their father's side, no doubt. 
See, the truth is, you don't have to teach a kid to sin. It's in us. It's part of our nature. And Jesus has come to overcome our nature. We, you and I, all of humanity, nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. And aren't you glad that he did? Because on that cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. You ever been forgiven? Hmm? If you have, some of them ought to, maybe you ought to tell your face, really. Really, because if you've been forgiven, it's a joy. Can you just reach back there for a moment and remember when you got forgiven? <laughs> I came to know Christ when I was 11 in a revival meeting in April of 1963. I was baptized April the 21st, 1963 in a little place called Burnside, Kentucky. But my problem was, at 11, I, I hadn't done much wrong. Pushed my sister down the steps, got in trouble for that. She's four years younger than me. Uh, stole one of my dad's cigarettes, went on the front porch of our apartment and smelled it, and then, I mean, smoked it, and then I knew I was going to hell because I'd forgotten the smoke would come up and my mother walks out on the front porch and here I am under the front porch smoking a cigarette. So, it, I, you know, I was, I smelt it and I was surrounded by smoke and then when my mother found out, I knew I was going to hell right then, you know. So, uh, but I hadn't done much wrong. But, but the deal was that when I was 14, we quit going to church over our church split. My family, I didn't go back to church till I was 24. I'm a graduate civil engineer from the University of Kentucky, and I, when I graduated college in 1973, I went to work as a civil engineer. And I just went crazy. I lost my mind. Have you all ever had a 19 or 20-year-old that lost their mind? Some of you got kids and grandkids right now. That some, you know, someone said when they're teenagers, you put them in a barrel and feed them through the hole, and when they turn 19, you plug up the hole. Maybe that may be a good... My mother would have believed that. But I'm an alcoholic. I haven't drank in 41 years. What is this? The, what is today? The 8th? God delivered me from alcohol on February the 15th, 1976, and I haven't drank alcohol since. God delivered me. But the truth is that it took a while for me to get to where God would deliver me. I had to come to the cross. And, 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 and I had to admit that, that I, I didn't have power over sin, that, that sin was controlling me, that, that my habits had, over, had overrun everything in my life and alcohol was taking over. It may not be alcohol for you. It could be, it could be work. It could be other habits. It could just, just be a, a, a rebellious lifestyle. It could just be hard-headed. But at some point in your life, you've got to come to the cross. And when you do, He wants to forgive you. He wants to transform you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to set you free. And every now and then, He needs to remind you. So here I am. I'm in Louisville. I'm working for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. And some of us um, uh, decided to go to Cincinnati to watch the Reds play. Well, when I was an engineer, I did a lot of work in northern Kentucky. We were building a lot of new roads up there, and I worked for the Department of Transportation, and I spent a lot of time in northern Kentucky, and I went to a lot of Reds games, and every one of them I got drunk, every one. So I'm at a Reds game with some of my 
colleagues at the Kentucky Baptist Convention, and we're this is a new Reds stadium, and and we're we're watching them play uh, baseball, and there was four men behind us that when they got there they were drunk, but they kept getting drunker, uh, and so one of them went to get beer for the other three, and when he came back already drunk, he stumbled and poured one of the cups of beer all the way down my shirt right down into my underwear well I, I i wanted to say some things to him more than god bless him but you know <laughs> i should have told him about jesus i guess but anyway i got up and went into the restroom took my shirt off put it under the uh the, the spigot there and was wringing it out and had beer all down in my underwear and i looked up and the holy spirit said he said you know why that happened I said, yeah, because of an idiot that was drunk. He goes, no, uh, I, I wanted to remind you that you were that idiot. Remember when you spilled the beer down the back of the woman's dress about 20 years ago? You remember? God reminded me of what he had done and is doing in my life. I want to tell you, there's nothing like being forgiven. And if you've never come to the place of being forgiven, we want you to do that today. And if you have been forgiven, we want you to just go back there and think about it and remind yourself and live in the joy of being forgiven. You see, because you and I have a choice. Jesus doesn't impose forgiveness on us. He, he, he gives us a choice. That's why there were two crosses. You see, you have a choice. There were two thieves. And the two thieves represent humanity. They were guilty. They had, been, they had been convicted of a crime. And guess what? You're guilty. Well, you and I do. We do like we did in the some of the physics classes I was in in the University of Kentucky. We, graded on, we grade ourselves on the curve. And you look at people and say, well, my sin's not as bad as theirs. But the truth is we're all sinners without exception and without excuse. There were two criminals, both of them guilty. But one of them cried out to Jesus. Listen to what Luke says. One of the two criminals, verse 39, hanging there, yelled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God since you're undergoing the same punishment? Since we are punished justly because we're getting back to what we deserve for the things we did. But this man... This man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. Today. What does it mean to die in the Lord? It means to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Today. To come to know the forgiveness of God means that we, 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 we enter what is called the eternal now. There's no time in heaven. What age you want to be? I don't know. You ain't going to have bursitis and rheumatoid arthritis and heart disease and cancer and lupus and, and all. Just, there's a long list. You're going to be in that eternal now. But the truth is, you've got to choose what side you're on. One cursed him. The other called out to him. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus said, I want to assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. Well, I'm not done, but I'm going to quit. <laughs> my my preaching is kind of like baloney. You just slice it off. <laughs> Thick or thin. <laughs> but I want you to think about this. And I don't know any of you here other than Brother Samuel. I want you to think about which one of those thieves you are. I want you to think about if you were to die today, where you'd spend eternity. Would Jesus say, I want to tell you that today you'll be with me in paradise, or will you be the other thief who cursed him and was separated from God for all of eternity? When the Titanic sank in the North Atlantic, back in Liverpool, England, there were two signs in Liverpool. There was, it was real simple. There was one sign that they were riding on that said saved. And there was another sign that they were riding on that said lost. Your name is on one of those signs. Saved or lost maybe you could add this not yet saved but you can be saved today how do you do it you've got to come to the cross you've got to come to the cross you've got to look up at jesus who gave his life as a sacrifice for you you've got to ask him to 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 forgive you of your sins which he's already done but you've got to claim it you've got to receive it as a gift you've got to ask him to come in to your life and if you have we pray that this week that cross will become real in your life and we'll talk about that a little bit more tonight but we want to give you an opportunity to come to the cross as we stand to our feet as we pray together lord jesus we're grateful lord for your presence in this place thank you god for the cross of jesus christ Thank you that this pulpit that we literally preach behind the cross. Thank you for the cross of baptistry. We really literally preach in the shadow of the cross. Lord, help us to live with the good news of the cross living in us. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we want you to just think back to that time when you came to the cross. Maybe it's been recent or a long time ago. And just thank the Lord for his salvation, for the finished work of Christ on the, on the cross. But some of you can't remember. Oh, you might, be, you might remember being baptized, but that's not what I'm talking about. Maybe you joined a church, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about coming to Jesus for the healing blood of his cross. Asking him to forgive you of your sins placing your faith and trust in him. You say, well, Brother Dan, how do I do that? If you will pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, you can come to the cross. Lord Jesus, please come into my life and be my Savior and be my Lord. Please forgive me of my sins and give me the gift of everlasting life. I commit my life to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. If that's the desire of your heart, we're going to ask you to come. Some of you have got burdens that you need to lay down on the front end of this revival. Things that you need to give to.
to the Lord to bring to the foot of the cross and leave with him. It may be people, it may be problems, it may be pain, it may be things of the past or the present. But let's start this revival on our knees at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray.